Hi everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk IS, the premier information systems podcast at Boston College. My name is Brendan Vicchione. I'm the Outreach Vice President for the Information Systems Academy, and I'm joined with Matt Giovanello, CEO and co-founder of Frontalytics. Awesome. Great to have you on, Matt. You know, it's great to have on-campus visits again. It's great to see you as one of your interns at Frontalytics. You know, it's been a great experience this semester, and I really want to see you uh, pick your mind and see what you can provide for the BC community through this. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Brendan. It's so fun to be on the podcast and always love returning to campus, seeing our fellow interns on site and to see how much BC's landscape changes and seeing the Schiller building is one of the latest updates to campus. It was really awesome to tour the building today. Yeah, this is your first time in it, right? It is, yes. I've been hearing about it and seeing pictures, but now I got to experience it in real life. Yeah, no, it's great. I, you know, I was a computer science major, I have a couple classes in there and I'm you're very jealous that, you know, the incoming freshmen have four full years of that because, you know, I had to watch it get built for two years, but, you know, it's great to finally have it. So <laughs> I'm double jealous. Yeah, you're double jealous because you didn't even have it as a student. Exactly. Nothing. So <laughs> let's jump into uh, some of the stuff we'll be talking about today. So you mentioned CEO, co-founder of Friendalytics. What is Friendalytics? What are you trying to do? What problem does it solve? Dive into that. Of course. So Frenalytics is a patented personalized learning software that allows patients and students with a variety of cognitive deficits, including stroke, dementia, TBI, autism, and Down syndrome to learn in a fun and engaging way based on personalized examples that their family members, their clinicians, and their teachers provide for them through our web-based software. Yeah. Uh, awesome. So how did you you know, come up with the idea? What what kind of sparked that, like, this is something I want to work on? This goes way back, Brendan. Oh, wow. Uh, I was 12 years old when the first inspiration for Frontalytics happened. It's a bit of a sad family story. My grandmother on my dad's side had a really bad stroke when she was undergoing open heart surgery. It went south while she was on the operating table, and she ended up remaining paralyzed and had irreversible brain damage for the remainder of her life until just shortly before I started at Boston College. And I witnessed her as a child in middle school struggling to relearn foundational concepts like familial relationships, letters and numbers, conversational skills, and so on. And the PT, OT, and speech therapists in these top hospitals on Long Island, New York, which is where we were based at the time, were trying to use flashcards to reteach her these concepts. And it just wasn't something she was able to engage with or connect with. And of course, I was a student at the time. I hated flashcards growing up. And Someone in her late 70s, I think she was there enough to realize that they weren't designed for her either. So she'd push them away with her good hand and refuse therapy, and she would be something that we dub cognitively stagnant. So I realized that there had to be a better way of going about this process, especially because she was on a time constraint. If there was only so many months, it was a very small window in which she'd be able to relearn as much as possible before that kind of became the condition she'd remain in. Um, so fast forward a couple of months later, I used my PowerPoint skills uh, that I knew at the time in middle school. I didn't know how to code and the iPhone was just coming out. There was no iPad yet back in 08 to create a series of interactive questions for her that had examples of family photos, things from past vacations and areas of her life from growing up that I knew that she really enjoyed through photos, videos, and even audio files. And she really loved that approach because once she could relate to it and who doesn't love seeing stuff about themselves, right? Um, and that just made her far more interested in going about the therapy that she very much needed as opposed to the generic examples that the flashcards were trying to kind of force her through based on what those PT, OT, and speech therapists just knew as status quo at the time. 
So that's a, the original inspiration. And fast forward many years later, we took this same methodology and we expanded it to all types of stroke, dementia, traumatic brain injury, and even students with autism and Down syndrome to be able to learn through the same personalized and fun and engaging means. Yeah, it's a really touching story. You know, it's crazy to think about, you know, something you worked on in middle school, uh, you know, 15 years later is something where you have, you know, a full-fledged product. You know, people are really using it in schools, hospitals. It's, you know, really inspiring as a student, um, you know, not just in a business school, but in a community where, you know, our school really values, you know, service and doing things for other people and for the betterment of the world around us. It's one of the most, you know, BC-esque inspiring, you know, stories that I've ever heard. So, yeah. Again, it's great to have you here so we could talk about it some more. So you mentioned, you know, obviously it started out um, with more of a uh, patient uh, cognitive recovery, but you said now you're moving, you know, you're moving it into education. Uh, you know, I've heard, you know, Frenalytics EDU initiatives. How, how have you made that transition? Is it more of a, is it a similar product or is it, you know, some touch-ups that had to be done? It does seem like two different markets. How do you fuse those together in one product? That's a really good question. It started as a result of the COVID pandemic, as I feel like a lot of things over the past couple of years have, yep. where two years ago, almost to this day, I wouldn't even be saying the word student in relation to our product because we were focused primarily on the healthcare market with stroke, dementia, TBI patients, and the nursing homes, home care agencies, private practice clinicians, and other types of markets relating to healthcare that we were focused on at the time. But with the rise of the COVID pandemic, not only were these types of organizations now treating COVID positive patients in New York, but they weren't able to expand their bandwidth any further than they already were to bring on new solutions like our software, despite their patient population still needing them, perhaps then more than ever, but they just weren't able to accommodate it at the time. Simultaneously, because students, particularly those with special needs, were now experiencing Zoom school and being sent home literally overnight, as I'm sure you saw with oh, yeah. the colleges and universities, teachers teaching special needs students were reaching out to us saying, you know, we noticed you posting a lot about your software online for the healthcare market. Is there a way that we can use this for my students in the classroom who are now um, receiving their education over Zoom? And, you know, we scratched our heads a little bit and said, you know, it's an interesting play. We didn't want to pursue both simultaneously, just given our limited resources as a startup. But it's a really cool opportunity and let's pursue it given that there's this starting demand for it. And so with a few small changes to the product, we were able to launch our version of Frenalytics called Frenalytics EDU, which is specifically for those students with learning disabilities and various um, diagnoses that would best benefit from our software in the mostly K through 12 age range, although we do have students even beyond the K through 12 school grade levels, such as through college and, and age-wise beyond that really benefit from our software and the life skills lessons that it affords as well. Yeah, I can definitely echo that. You know, uh, my mother's a middle school teacher and uh, she also works with special ed students and seeing, you know, that transition online, it's an underserved and uh, community that gets even more ostracized when, you know, the onus is on the student to do a lot of the work on their own uh, without, you know, a figure over them like a teacher in the classroom. So, Having this software, again, it's, you know, amazing. You found that opportunity to repurpose, retool, and, you know, serve a whole new market that definitely needs the help. Absolutely. It's it's really unfortunate, and you hit the nail on the head, Brendan. We were listening to a term that the media dubbed learning loss mm -hmm. that students in the era of COVID were experiencing, and students with special needs were being disproportionately affected because not only did they say cognitively stagnant, similar to my grandmother many years ago after her stroke when she 
was refusing therapy and having a really hard time connecting with it, but they were actually showing signs of digression as well, where they weren't just simply needing to pick up where they left off, but they were regressing in the things that they've learned and that the one-on-one attention that they thrive off of in the in-person learning environment was just not something they were receiving anymore. So until that got restored, there was a lot that that teacher had to work on in order to restore those skills. Exactly. Um, so in terms of, you know, who uses your product, obviously it, obviously it goes to the student and goes to the patient, but who's buying it? Is it, you know, is it a B2B? Is it a B2C? Are you selling to schools and hospitals or patients and students? What does that look like? Good question. Our primary focus is a business-to-business play, both on the healthcare side to hospitals, subacute stroke centers, nursing homes, home care agencies, private practice clinicians like a neuropsychologist and the like. And then on the school side, we work directly with schools and school districts who have special education programs. Most public school systems throughout the U.S. and private and private private and charter schools also have special education programs as well. And by federal law, if a student that lives in a district doesn't provide special education services, they have to be bused to one that does. Mm-hmm. And so for the seven plus million students that receive special education services, there are a lot of schools and teachers that meet those needs. And yet at the same time, those schools and those teachers struggle to document everything that's needed in order to have a student qualify and continue to receive the special education services that they yep. deserve. So we work with those schools directly, but we are also about to launch a series of plans both free and paid, that would allow teachers to sign up directly, um, whether it's as a part of their classroom or outside of the school that they are directly affiliated with, so they can document their IEP, their Individualized Education Program, progress for a student more easily, save time, have a more data-driven approach to their lessons, all without needing to wait the long sales cycle that they might otherwise follow by going down the school route. Absolutely. And, you know, speaking of special education programs, teachers and schools, uh, I do know that you have a partnership right here on campus with the BC Campus School. Uh, talk a little on that and how that you know plays into your product, how they use it in practice. We do. We are so proud to be working with the Campus School and the wonderful folks there. Jen Jensky is my primary point of contact there, and I met with Tom, the director, as well, uh, just before I came onto the podcast today, and I had the pleasure of meeting with a few of the students who attend the Campus School. Our partnership with them allows Analytics EDU to be used not only on a regular computer or a tablet, but also on a new device that they just purchased called a Tappet Board, where it is a rolling device with a screen size about the size of a television, but it is fully responsive, it is touchscreen, and it caters to the needs of whatever student um, might be looking to use it, whether they are in a wheelchair or fully mobile, and they might be looking to use their elbow or another body part to try and interact with the program that they're using, Analytics CDU in this case, on a full-size screen instead of needing to work with a keyboard, a mouse, and a a laptop size screen. So it's really novel for the campus school and for the students who attend it. We're really excited to be working with them. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Let's uh, dive a little into the uh, technical aspect of Frenalytics. What, you know, this is an information systems podcast. we got to talk about the systems a little bit. Of course. What's the tech stack? Uh, What languages, frameworks, uh, background technologies, platforms, and architecture have you and your team put together to you know make this project happen? Of course, so we're built as a web app. We wanted to do that so similar to what I was just sharing for the Campus School Partnership and many of the other clients and partners that we work with. Our tool could be used on any device without yep. the need to download anything or have any special software or add-ons to install. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, we're moving away from the need for add-ons and browsers. 
um, but it's still needed for a lot of software in our space. Regardless, we are moving towards a mobile app, but at the moment, our web app is built in C Sharp with a .NET framework. We have a Vue.js front end, and we are in the process of building out a Flutter mobile app for cross-platform use on iOS and Android, which is really exciting. It's not out at the moment, but it will be coming out in the coming months. And because our web app is fully responsive, again, we get that ease of use on a laptop size screen yep. all the way up to the tablet board down to an iPhone. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. And um, in terms of uh, background hosting, uh, cloud platforms, uh, what, you know, CICD pipelines and DevOps, what, what runs that in the background? Good question. So we have limited options given that we operate in the healthcare space and mm -hmm. we're pretty regulated. So we have something called a BAA, a business associate agreement executed with Microsoft. And we use their Azure build and deploy pipelines. We are hosted in Azure and we have an Azure bot in our Slack channel that pings me every time the dev team does a deploy to any of our environments. Uh, speaking of environments, we have three different environments. We have a dev, staging, and we have, of course, our production environment. In our scenario, our dev environment acts as more of like a quote unquote public build box where after anything is developed locally and it's ready to be reviewed by our QA or our engineering team outside of the developer that worked on it, they could do an automated deploy to it, we'll get pinged and then we can log into that system and take a look at it. Once we are ready to do a code freeze and prepare a release over to production, we'll roll that code in its entirety over to staging that will initiate the code freeze, we'll run through unit testing, and then after everything passes clean, we'll schedule schedule our prod rollout, and that's where our end users will end up using our system. Awesome, yeah. Um, clearly, you know, blend a lot of stuff given that, you know, I think startups have that flexibility in terms of uh, really picking and choosing exactly what technologies fit their, you know, mission as a whole. Obviously, you said you wanted to go straight to the most interactive, you know, web app, mobile app you can get. Um, especially with the healthcare regulations, you need specific things. And um, I think with all the technologies that are available uh, these days, you know, it's really not a one size fits all anymore. You can really customize to exactly what you're looking for. Um, you know, if you guys, listeners, go back to our episode with uh, Jimmy McDermott of Transio, you know, they had a completely different tech stack. Obviously, also in, you know, somewhat of an education space, but given their needs, they can go a whole different route with it and come to the same, you know, really life-changing and uh, viable product. Uh, so great to hear your take on how you guys put that architecture together. Jimmy's a great friend. That's awesome to hear that Transio is on the podcast. I can't wait to listen to the episode, and I am intrigued to hear the rationale behind his tech stack. I'm sure there's a, a more modern version or approach that he followed. Um, and it's interesting, some of the regulations that we need to follow in terms of data and encrypted and in rest in a transit and the way that we need to host our databases as a service through Azure and whatnot uh, makes things just a little bit complicated. But at the same time, I think, you know, modernizing our code base and using the latest technologies, Flutter being one of them is super, super exciting. And I know our team gets really excited when we start to entertain those options. But uh, love Jimmy and love Transio. And uh, speaking of Jimmy, you know, the two of you met at BC. Uh, we've met through BC alumni events with Professor Gallagher who is a great professor that I will plug right now in the information systems department. I am a TA for his iOS class, and I believe Matt was as well when he was here. I was. In 2018, I was a TA for Intro to Swift, and I was also a TA for TechTrek, and finally I was a TA for uh, Systems Analysis and Design. But Professor Gallagher was the professor at the time for Intro to Swift, and he's uh, a big fan of his, and I hope he's a fan of mine too. I imagine so by making me a TA. 
I'm sure he is. You know, I told him I was uh, working with you this semester and he was like, oh my God, like he was super <laughs> excited because, you know, he was the person who put us in contact in the first place when we met over the summer. That was so, so. fun. We, we got together over Brooklyn and it just goes to show you the love for Professor Gallagher is it runs it's far strong. and wide. We, we had like, we had a lot of years of BC represented there. I think I was the, uh, the youngest there. So BC 2023. And then we had people going all the way back to like uh, BC 2015 and before. So, you know, 10 years of Professor Gallagher, former TAs and former students. It was wonderful um, to see. And, you know, speaking of, you know, what, you know, in your journey with Friendalytics and in general in your career, what support did you receive from the BC community, uh, whether it be, you know, certain mentors or just uh, the uh, general community peers as a whole um, in, you know, getting to where you are today? Well, speaking of Professor Gallagher, I had the really unique opportunity to be in his last Tech Trek class before it transferred over to the Shea Center. And so... Mm. That, will, that was single-handedly the most unique and valuable opportunity that I had during my BC career where we had the ability to learn about Silicon Valley startups, but then actually go visit them in California at the end of our semester. And that, in, in short order, was uh, my ability to drink the Kool-Aid and get really <laughs> excited about the world of startups and wearing a lot of hats and enjoying the chaos that ensues as being a part of the startup community and made me realize that this was really meant for me and I, I think I was cut out for it. That got me so excited that post-graduation, I was able to run a startup of my own and it made me realize that despite the very real feeling of imposter syndrome, we're all capable, far more than capable of pursuing a startup of our own. And Professor Gallagher is my biggest cheerleader on and off the internet, on and off uh, physical presence. And so I'm so, so grateful for him. In addition to Professor Gallagher and his TechTrack class, I had a number of fantastic professors on campus as well. Professor Kane and Professor Doyle were just a few of them. And I was also pretty heavily involved in the Shea Center for Entrepreneurship here on campus, where we actually pitched Frontalytics our junior year under a different name through the Shea Venture Competition, where we placed as finalists. So that was a really fun wow. and rewarding opportunity as well. And again, that was just a really validating feeling for us that we were onto something, even if we didn't quite know it ourselves yet. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you were here. The reason why you're here in Boston for the first place is uh, for the tech and entrepreneurship fair that the Shea Center has been putting on this uh, this weekend into this weekend. So um, I'm sure you had the opportunity to meet with some BC students and talk with them about, you know, their future plans and what they're looking for. I did. And it continues to amaze me how ambitious and motivated and passionate BC students are. We started an internship at Frontalytics about two years ago in the wake of the COVID pandemic. And BC students continually rise to the occasion where they join our internship program voluntarily and they just continue to outdo each other in the best of ways. And this year's set of students was no exception. You know, meeting them in person, Brendan, was a really cool experience where last year's Tech and Entrepreneurship Fair, while I was invited to it and it was so fun to be a part of it, it was held remotely and mm -hmm. it just has a different feeling. Yes. But to be here in person at the brunch and to see these students and talk to them face to face was um, a really incredible opportunity. So I'm so excited to see who joins us this summer for our internship program because they only make us stronger. So yeah, another plug there for the Friendalytics summer internship program. Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast and you must be passionate enough uh, <laughs> since, you know, you really have to look through Spotify to find this one. So um, definitely. Um, do you have any idea when applications would be out? Applications are out right now, actually. If you go to our website, Frenalytics.com, F-R-E-N-A-L-Y-T-I-C-S.com. All the way at the bottom, towards the left-hand side, you'll see a link that says join our summer 2022 internship. 
If you click on that link, you'll see a short application. If you fill that out, it's nine or 10 questions long. Then in about a month from now, depending on when you're listening to this, towards the end of April, we will be scheduling interviews virtually for you to meet myself and my co-founder, Chris, where we evaluate each of the applicants that we've received applications for and decide who joins us for the summer. And we'd love to meet you and see if we could bring you onto our team. And if we think that there may be a better fit for you out there among the other startups that I happen to have connections with, or there might be a better opportunity based on the goals that you're trying to find of an internship program, we will certainly help you make those connections so we can make sure everybody gets the best fit possible. And, you know, as a project management intern this semester, I can confidently say that this has been the most unique internship experience I've been a part of. You know, I've worked at, obviously, you know, much bigger companies. I've worked at, you know, companies with 40,000 employees and, you know, almost a thousand interns. And, you know, it, you, it's easy to get drowned in when, you know, there are so many people on your team and you feel like your work doesn't, you know, get that same amount of impact on the final uh, product, you know, being a part of the team and just sitting in on sprint checking calls and you're really understanding, you know, what the devs do on the day to day and, you know, realizing the passion that these people have for the product, given that it's such a small team that, you know, spans the world, you know, I mean, you know, we have, I've been on meetings with people from, from Pakistan and from Belgium and from uh, Mont, uh, Montenegro, where's oh, they from Macedonia, from? Macedonia, my bad. Uh, and, you know, it's, you know, it's really just been a great, you know, super interesting experience to be part of the team. All right, Matt. So, you know, you know, a little birdie told me, given that I was just at a team lunch, that uh, Friendalix has just closed their pre-seed round and have been admitted into the forum accelerator. Uh, talk a little about that, that. I know that's a huge achievement. We're all really excited. So I'd love to hear what we, that holds for the future of the company. We are. Your little birdie told you right. We just yesterday announced the close of our pre-seed round, which we are extremely excited about. And we have been accepted to the Forum Ventures Accelerator for their winter 2022 program, which is incredible news for us. It's something that feels like it happened overnight, although it's been uh, a cumulative effort that has been culminating for the better part of a year now. And the amazing efforts that everybody on our team, yourself included, Brendan, allowed us to achieve together. This is not a, a one-person situation where I was able to raise you know $300,000 on my own, but we were able to do that together as a group based on the incredible accomplishments that we've achieved over these years, and more importantly, the growth that we've been able to recognize and communicate and tell the story of to our incredible investor team now that we've built over the course of the past nine months to a year. And so with the Accelerator program that we're a part of through Forum Ventures, we will be receiving uh, a handful of mentors and resources, office space and assistance with additional fundraising. Later this year, we'll be going through a seed round and we are ecstatic uh, to put it in uh, to put in a word about our ability to do well by doing good. Yeah, and you know, hearing about what some of the investors had to say, I think they really see the social value that comes with a startup like Friendalytics, which you really, you know, you're hard pressed to find in a lot of you know the tech companies we think about today, and it's just it just goes to show you know how great of a product and how great of an idea that you've been able to, you know, build up to this day and, you know, really have not only just the idea, but the actual product that people are using, you know, on the web, uh, eventually on their phones. And it's something that, you know, can really, you know, stake a change in this world. That's absolutely right. And, you know, similar to your comment before of internships that you've worked at, I've had the privilege of working at companies that are 70,000 people. And then mm -hmm. I've also had the privilege of working at companies that are 15 people. So I've seen the full end of the spectrum. And I personally find myself 
really enjoying opportunities where there are small but mighty and nimble teams yes. that are able to affect so much change. And the fact that we have been able to do that here at Team Friendalytics while also holding on to such a strong social mission and finding investors who so closely align with us, that's the golden ticket. I mean, there are so many investors out there. There are so many people out there. And there are so many companies out there. But to be able to create a company that stands for something that you just so strongly believe in and then to find people who can get on board with you and then to find investors who will not only say they support you, but to financially back you too and be there every step of the way, thats it's a dream come true. And it's so exciting to see what we'll be able to do next with that. Absolutely. And, you know, I can echo that. And it's I'm sure it's, you know, an extremely gratifying experience and you know you and the whole team included should be you know super proud of themselves and it's great to see bc alums um you know do so much just sh so shortly after graduation like you only graduated what four years ago oh you're making me feel old yes wow like, four sorry. years ago in may <laughs> but uh yeah uh with that um like start wrapping up so you know Thank you, Matt, for coming on the podcast. You know, this has been uh, one of our greatest episodes yet, and it was really great to uh, speak with you, not only as a uh, you know, fellow uh, member of Team Friendalytics, but you know, as a BC student talking to an alum. You know, what I can see in myself you know, after graduation uh, through you has been you know, really interesting to talk about. So thank you a lot for coming on. Of course. My pleasure, Brendan. Go Eagles, and congrats on the podcast. Thanks. See you guys.